Hey there, welcome back to the Will and Rob show. Uh, it is wonderful to be with you this uh, Thursday following Easter. I hope you all had a wonderful Easter. Um, glad you're tuning in. My name is Will Stockdale. I am a ministry associate with Ministry to State, a ministry of the PCA here in Washington, D.C. Here, back with me, back in the driver's seat. It's a co-driver's seat. Uh, it's very complicated. We each have half of the steering wheel, um, which has not proven disastrous yet, but only because it's simply a metaphor. It's not real. <laughs> and um, But <laughs> here with uh, fellow minister, uh, ministry associate, Robert Hassler, um, Robert is a native of Texas. He went to school at Hillsdale. You're going to me a full bio because I was gone yes. one week, so people need to be reminded. In case you have forgotten about Rob of the Will and Rob Show, I'd like for you listeners to be reminded of who's here. I go from um, I go from one week off as a regular co-host to being the guest of the of this week's episode. Really so famous. tell me a little bit about yourself. You have parents. <laughs> uh, I understand that you have a sibling. Is it a brother? Oh, sister, sister. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, dude, my Easter was good, man. Um, we uh, went to church, obviously, and had a great service and um, had the gospel preached and sang great worship. And it was just wonderful, um, a wonderful Easter service. And then I uh, got to spend the rest of the day just hanging out with some really good friends and eating good food. Uh, they, uh, the My really good buddy uh, is uh, Polish. Uh, his family is Polish. Um, he's not from actually from Poland. His family is Polish. Uh, so he, every Easter when we hang out with them, uh, he cooks like really great Polish food. So we ate some great sausages with sauerkraut and some, uh, uh, pierogies and all kinds of good stuff. Uh, so it was just a great time, uh, and, and hung out with them. And it was just a good day of, of resting and, and celebrating, uh, our risen savior. But how was, how was your Easter, Will? Because we had there was slightly different dynamics because I have an I have a morning service on Easter and you went to an evening service, correct? Because I was getting true. a picture of you smoking a cigar at like very early while well, I'm like off my way off to church. So it's like, hmm, this is different. Man, that I, I brought in Resurrection Sunday with uh I read uh, a couple resurrection accounts in the gospels and then had a little cup of coffee and a cigar sitting on the front porch. It was a perfect day for that. Just started with celebration, ended with hanging out with some friends. Uh, it was a great day. It was a great buildup too. I, um, I, we, we had a Maundy Thursday service at, uh, cause there's the grace network. And so at, um, grace Meridian Hill was a Maundy Thursday service where Russ Whitfield preached and then good Friday service was, um, at mosaic and Duke Quan preached. And then, uh, on Holy Saturday, I went to Church of the Resurrection. Uh, I sat in front of a couple of your buddies uh, who were there. I, Lots of I, Hillsdale I, guys at Church of the Res. Yeah, yeah, great conversation. I really enjoyed getting to know them, and um, I didn't get into many stories about you as I should have, but uh, it was good, good. there. And uh, it was what what they call the smells and bells service, of course, with the oh those look, Anglicans. Look, my Presbyterian uh, alarm bells were ringing. <laughs> ringing well before they rang their bells at the end of the service. <laughs> so, but it, let me say, it was a beautiful service. I, uh, they, one of the neatest parts was, was, and I'm sure people listening have been to a service like this before, or even have been to this exact service, but having, um, 
you know, having uh, members of the congregation dramatically read massive passages of scripture. And so uh, having somebody read Ezekiel 37, uh, having people dramatically read uh, the story of Daniel, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that it was, it was wonderful. And I think what was neat is the kids, this is how wonderfully dynamic scripture is, is that the kids were so into it. Like you realize that scripture isn't boring. It's exciting. And, you know, praise God for these, these members of this church who spent so much time, the music was wonderful, the homily was great, um, and spent so much time investing the service to, to bless everyone there uh, with the very living and active word of God. So that was great. And then Sunday morning, uh, like you said, that's how I started and then went to church at Grace downtown, which is wonderful. Glenn did a great job preaching and just, uh, you know, took the Lord's Supper, which is what we are looking forward to among many things and the new heavens and new earth. But yeah, you know, uh, it was, it was a good day. I was looking forward to it. And um, this is somewhat unpresbyterian of me, but I told some friends that I was actually sad that that Easter Sunday was ending because I had been looking forward to so much that um, it was just such a wonderful day of celebration. But I know that people would say, well, every Sunday is resurrection. I was going to say, you get to celebrate it all over, all over again this coming Sunday. That's very true. That's very true. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but, uh, you know, you mentioned your Polish friends and I have one Polish joke that, uh, is it, is it appropriate for this podcast? Highly, highly appropriate. These two, I'm going to go, I'm going to dive right into it. Um, and and listener, you can, you can skip about 30 seconds if you'd rather get into the meat of this conversation, but (laughs) these two guys are riding the subway and this one uh, American is, is looking across at this other guy on the other side of the subway. And he's got this long, this box with these long poles in it, these really long poles across his lap. And it's taken up the whole section that runs along the, the window side of the, of the, the train, the car. And the American looks at the guy and said, you know, his curiousness, Oh, are you a, are you a pole vaulter? And the guy looks up at him and goes, no, I'm a Czech, but how'd you know my name was Walter? (laughs) (laughs) That was (laughs) my dad told me that joke years ago. So anyways, that's very wholesome. uh, I like that. That's a good one. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. It's fun. It's fun. (laughs) So next time you see your Polish friends, go ahead and uh, share that with them. But we'll do. We uh we wanted to talk about other things than pole vaulting. Um, we actually wanted to talk about the the topic of the role of doctrine in our discipleship and um, knowing the the solid food that is to become our diet as we follow Christ. And one of the reasons we think this is appropriate is one, uh, it's the week after Easter. And so we have had this big buildup and this wonderful celebration of Christ's resurrection, which means new life. Uh, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, uh, the new has come. And so as we live in this light of the resurrection, and as we follow Jesus as uh, sons and daughters, um, there are certain things that we must believe and not just believe them because they're um, some kind of old archaic saying, or not just because they're quote unquote religious, but because they're real and they're true. And uh, if you want to be uh, good at baseball, you know, the rules of baseball, because that's the, the realm you're in football, painting, you know, art, you there, there's a real way to do things. And for Christians, there is a reality in the world. And by knowing our doctrine, we know what's really out there. And so, um, that's something Robert, I want to bounce back. And the other thing is one of the things that we care about a lot, one of the things that we value at ministry to state um, and in our churches is discipleship. 
Um, discipleship is not a negotiable part of Christianity, and it is not a an early part of Christianity. We don't outgrow our discipleship. In fact, uh, there's a book that I read when I was in high school called The Walk by Michael Card, the musician, and it was about his life with one man who discipled him. And, and the last chapter is, I'm going to show you how a Christian man dies. Mm. And it was his man discipling him who walked into his death. Um, yeah, there's examples throughout history of Christians learning how to die well, of, of trying to teach others. So, you know, it's, it's from, from cradle to grave. And um, part of that is doctrine. You, you know how to uh, eat your solid food well and doctrinally know how to die well based on the truth of who Jesus is. And so Robert, um, I wanted to uh, bounce this over to you. And um, when you think of doctrines, I guess what I would ask is, you know, doctrine is, is the word for teaching, basically. Um, theology is uh, the, like words about God. And so how would you get from the, the theological topics to our doctrines? And what is the value in knowing these theological topics and then turning them into doctrines by which to live? And how does doctrine shape us? And then eventually we also want to talk about what are the what are these primary doctrines that we need to hold to for all Christians? Yeah. I mean, I think what we have to do to make that jump from theology, kind of what you're saying um, to doctrine is we have to um, orient ourselves uh, towards the truth and what is true about God. Um, and then from that, we have to, you know, we have to figure out, okay, well, where do we go looking for that truth? Um, I think the the answer historically in the church has been uh, obviously scripture as, as revelation. Uh, so what do we know about God? Well, the Bible, the Bible tells us what we need to know about God. Um, there's also natural theology in terms of uh, Romans one uh, twelve, for example, uh, what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. Uh, and in that context, uh, he's speaking of, uh, creation and, and it's, it's, uh, general revelation of who God is and his characteristics. Um, Barthians would, would be mad at that, but that's okay. Um, but the point is, is that, uh, we have to go looking first to the sources and the sources that we have are scripture and, and natural and, uh, uh, general revelation. Um, and then from there, we really derive doctrine. And so that's where you get these, these statements that, uh, they summarize or create into concise statements or, uh, or the things that scripture says. And so that's where you go from things like, uh, okay, I, you know, the Bible to the Nicene Creed uh, or the Apostles' Creed. Uh, and so, you know, the Nicene Creed doesn't, doesn't, isn't a separate authority from scripture. It claims as its main source scripture. It says we, we take the, the whole truths of scripture of divine revelation. And we've boiled, you know, we've boiled it down to these concise doctrinal statements that we believe the Bible is very consistent on from beginning to end. Um, and so I think that's, that's the first step you have to do is you have to go, okay, well, wh where has God revealed himself? Um, and we, we look for those things. And then uh, after studying those, after reading them, after a lot of time in prayer and, and the uh, illumination of the Holy spirit, uh, we then come to these doctrinal statements uh, that we say, these represent the truths of, these revelations. Yeah, that's really good. Um, I guess what, what I'm wondering is when we think about someone who's a, a new Christian, and again, these aren't truths that we leave behind as a new Christian, we build upon and return to them throughout. Um, when I think about places to go, there are 
the Apostles Creed, the Nicene Creed, uh, Chalcedonian definition, um, uh, Athanasian Creed. Uh, th these are things that you can find online and read. And these are things that have been held by the church. Um, uh, you know, the Nicene and Apostle, Nicene especially is held by the East and West. And so that's a good thing to, to acknowledge and hold on to. Um, and so learning and studying this, but what are some primary doctrines in your mind that uh, have to be held? And why is it important, you think, to hold on to these? Yeah, I mean, well, you know, you could start in so many places, right? You could start with the Trinity. Um, you could start with, you know, the, the hypostatic union. I, I think, I think for the one that people might uh, understand sort of, uh, in a sort of in the current context, because this gets debated every Easter in the modern West, uh, which is the doctrine of the resurrection. Did it actually happen? Um, and in fact, it's a, it's an issue that the church has, has struggled with literally from the pages of the new Testament. It's, it's been a, it's been a question posed back at Christians. You know, how can you believe that the, the resurrection is true and the implications of the Christian faith, if the resurrection isn't true. Um, and even Paul, uh, is very early, you know, quick to say if if the resurrection didn't happen, we are you know the most pitiable of people, right? That um, uh, that it, it is the hinge on which everything swings, and you know this happens all the time, right? There there is uh, there was a tweet that went viral this Easter. It happens every single Easter. I I, I remember seeing them every year. Um, you know, somebody will say, I, I love. The, the ethics of, of Christianity. I love this character and this person of Jesus, you know, this, but this miracle stuff is just too much. We've outgrown it. It's, it's not a doctrine that we really need to hold. And what's interesting is that, you know, you could really say that that impulse really becomes uh, embedded within uh, Western Christianity. You could say, you know, in sort of the, the modern liberal project going back um, a couple centuries, and it's very interesting to read, you know, people who want the Christian ethics without the miracles and Orthodox Christians within that context saying it won't work. Like it may last for a little bit. You may be able to hold on to it for a little bit, but it will eventually devolve. You, you can't have Christian ethics without you with the, without the doctrine of the, of the resurrection, because if the resurrection didn't happen, none of this matters. And um, I think you've kind of, you, you see that played out over the centuries, right? Where churches that became lax on the doctrine of the resurrection just increasingly become lax on the ethics of, of Christian religion um, about issues of, of sexuality, of things like marriage, of uh, uh, gender roles, of um, even, you know, uh, things as it relates to politics and, and things like this. So I think uh, without the doctrine of the resurrection, you know, there's so many doctrines we could talk about as being fundamental and they're stated there in the creeds. Uh, but one that just, you know, I think just pops up every year that people can really quickly see even new Christians. It's the doctrine of the resurrection. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the one that is most incredible. And by that means un unbelievable to most modern ears. It is so hard for people to really get their heads around and, and consent to it. And I think, um, part of that is a question of authority. And so the question of whose world are we living in and who says so, who says that a resurrection is impossible or this particular resurrection is impossible. And what is your basis for saying that? I think one of the things that can guide us in, in basis of, of doctrine 
and knowing God for, for our discipleship and rooting it in that. Uh, and we should say that um, what we're talking about is not meant to be individualized here, that these doctrines aren't just meant to be read on your own, but I would encourage you to read the Apostles' Creed, to read the Nicene Creed, um, and go to a friend and sit down and say, hey, can we talk about this? Grab a cup of coffee, sit down at a coffee shop, pull it out, and, and then you know a good uh, uh, have a, your Bible with you and take a look at it and see where that stuff is found. Um, but this discipleship is meant to be, uh, th- these issues of doctrines of discipleship are meant to be fortifying and strengthening us, iron sharpening iron. And also just as a warning, you know, if you do this on your own, it will get stale very quickly because you're finite, you're limited, and you will run out of ways to see this and understand it. Uh, you need your brothers and sisters mm-hmm. to help you do this. And so in addition to that, I think holding to the five solas are huge. And so those those five things uh, provide a counterweight in the body of Christ to the secular or alternative narratives in in the world that we see to inhabit. Um, I'm reading. I just finished a book by Kevin Van Hooser called "Hearers and Doers." That's a pastor's guide to making disciples through Scripture and doctrine. That's a really good resource for pastors. And he has this line. He says, "Where the demise of biblical civilization was a failure of the imagination." to read our world in terms of God's word. Mm. The demise of biblical civilization is related to the replacement of sola scriptura in the social imaginary of the West by other stories. Mm. And so he gets in there and talks about a Christian culture and Christian culture for him primarily is the church. So yeah, a Christian culture starts in the church. What does the church look like? What, what stories is the church imbibing? And um, when we start this search of doctrine, understand the truths that are in God's word of um, uh what does it mean to be in Christ? What does it mean to take the Lord's Supper? What is baptism? Um, what is the church? Who is she? You, we realize how many other stories, how many other bits of facts and information and details we've been taking in for so long from the world that aren't based in scripture, which is why someone like Kevin Van Hooser, Dr. Van Hooser, puts so much emphasis on sola scriptura and that what is to be the basis and source of, of all the ways that we view the world. It's it's God's word. It is the definitive account of how the world works. Um, what does it mean to live as a human in the world? And as we are young Christians and as we're walking in our faith, um, it takes time and it needs to be spent with other Christians and looking at the word, seeing ourselves in the text and figuring out what it means for us and what are the truths there that we must um, deal with, really uh, be reconciled to. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the ones that that really sticks out in history is, you know, what we what we read in Scripture, like the the depiction of reality in Scripture, is that God is holy and man is not. Um, the 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 utter depravity of man that is just poured out in the pages of Scripture, and not just the the, the men following God, but but man generally, right across the the nations. Um, across cultures, man is just is sinful by nature. Is the is the message that we get from the Bible, and one of the most you know attractive sort of counter stories that you're talking about that a lot of that of well intentioned people took to be true was that man wasn't actually that bad. Um, that in fact, man was actually there was quite a lot of good in man. Um, that maybe religion is the reason why man is bad. Um, and you can just see like how these these little kernels right of of different stories they kind of seep in. Um, into the culture 
and uh, much like the the thorny uh, branches that choke off, you know, good good plants, um, it, it, it wreaks havoc on uh, communities, on families, on individuals, in na- on, in nations. Uh, we just see how um, these counter stories can can run amok uh, against uh, a biblical. Uh, against the biblical paradigm presented as reality in, in the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think one of the ways that our doctrine helps us and um, helps people working on the Hill um, per, as we think about our jobs is the question of vocation and the, the great vocation for every Christian's life is that they have been called by the father in Christ by the power of the Holy spirit, that, that the primary call for our lives is to be shaped and transformed more and more into the image of Christ uh, until we go to glory. And so when you think about it, you're like, okay, well, how does that help me? Well, it helps you in that your, your work on the Hill or your work in a bureaucracy, your work in wherever, that's not your first call. That's not your first vocation. Your first vocation is to be like Jesus. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means, uh, um, you don't feel the same kind of pressures as other people to fit a certain mold. Uh, I think a little example, I had a friend uh, ask me the other day if Holy Week had been crazy for me. And uh, has it, he's like, has it been way busier than usual? And I was like, no, I mean, it's, it's been actually a pretty normal week. And then right after I said that, I immediately was like, oh my gosh, should I have said I'm really busy? Did I, should I, should I not come off as if I've been super hectic? Cause in DC is like most other places, you know, to, to come off as frazzled and busy and running around is, is the, um, is the preferred way to do things. And for a lot of our friends, that's the case. Life is that crazy, but there's also can be a freedom and not feeling pressured to have to do that. But I think recognizing our situation as primarily coming from, uh, the, the father calling us, uh, instead of, uh, and listening to the shepherd's voice instead of, um, it being our temporary place here on earth for sure right like the way that i kind of think about it you know you you, um the way you said it what i was thinking was you know you've been called in to be a citizen of the kingdom of god and you know what is the what is the difference between being called to to, uh, as a citizen of the kingdom of god as opposed to a citizen of the kingdom of man right It's, it's our eternal life that that is the thing that um separates uh, uh, those in the kingdom of God from those in the kingdom of man. And so, um, you know, Christians on, in this world, we share a lot of the same paths and circles and, or spheres, if you want to use that word, um, as non-Christians in the citizen of man, like you will run into a lot of people who are not Christians that share your vocation. You know, they would do the same job. They're, they're in families, they're, um, they're part of the same volunteer groups. They've been called in, into all these other similar things, but the thing that differentiates the Christian from the non-Christian is this call to eternal life. Um, but that call to eternal life seeps down and changes everything else in this temporal world as well, and the way that you you relate to it. Um, so your job, because you have this call to eternal life in the kingdom of God, you know, even though you and the non-Christian share the same vocation, let's say in government, the way that you approach that job is not going to be the same because it's not the it's not the total end for you. Um, if you're the Christian, right? Like you're not going to be willing uh, to, you know, stab your friend in the back to get the promotion because that would not reflect kingdom values, kingdom virtues. Um, and I think that's a, that's how our calling though, com- that diff- that calls us out of the world also transforms everything in it uh, in another way. 
one thing I, I, I've been thinking about as well in this topic of discipleship and doctrine is uh, the role and benefit in reading early Christians and how the truths of who Jesus is and what he has done shapes the way that, that they lived and what they did. Um, I, I, so I would encourage us, you know, a good dosage of church history can be a wonderful fortifier for the faith. It can be a strong dose of, you know, courage to, to live this out. You know, we, when we read the lives of the saints or Christian biographies, for example, we can tell uh, and we can get an example of how they uh, lived out the truths of God's word that were, that came to them. Um, and this goes back to what was said earlier about the importance of us being sure that we're talking uh, through these things with friends uh, and family, uh, Lord willing parents as well, that hopefully we have and siblings who we can look to and um, share these things with them and, and, and sharpen each other. You mentioned church history as a uh, as a fortifier, and you and I before the the uh, before we started recording, we were talking about some different stories that you know you just kind of listen to, and you're like, wow, like that's so cool that they that they, that's the way that they acted in life because of what they believed doctrinally. You know, uh, uh, one of my favorite Twitter historians, uh, Professor Miles Smith, shared a great story over the weekend uh, about uh, a Presbyterian uh, minister and congregation. Uh, during the Civil War. Uh, and here, here's, I'll read it for you. Uh, this is in Petersburg, Virginia, during the siege of, of Petersburg uh, in 1865. Presbyterians met for a worship during the siege. Shells fell into the church after the pastoral prayer. Everyone ran out. Minister commented he was glad everyone was okay, but also noted somewhat concernedly that the congregation was dismissed before the benediction. And then the best part, a shell landed on the table. They waited until the next Sunday to remove it because the elements had already been consecrated that week and they didn't want to frivolously approach the table again. That's like ultra level Presbyterianism. But the point is that the doctrines so shaped their lives. They were like, uh, we can't do anything about, you know, we, we've got to continue to meet during a war. We're not going to touch the table because even though this giant cannon shell fell on it, because this is what we believe happens at the, at the Lord's Supper. Oh, um, man. It's like yeah, stuff like that. You're just like, man, that's so cool. <laughs> well, was it, I don't know if we mentioned this on the show, but Porter Harlow, who was talking to a pastor that he knew in Ukraine, who said that he was preparing his sermon on Saturday night and that if his church was still standing, he was going to go preach that Sunday morning. And yeah. those kinds of encourage and recognize the importance uh, uh, is just awesome. I mean, it really is. It truly is awesome. But yeah, you don't, you don't do that kind of stuff unless you, really believe in these doctrines you really believe that this is true um that's the only thing that can motivate somebody you know to do that and you know that's that's an old apologetic right that goes all the way back to you know why were the 12 martyrs willing to you know suffer the worst and most horrible um uh, deaths that you could imagine well because they believed all this stuff was true they 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 could not but they, they could not deny it it was it was so real for them. And I think that uh, that's a really important thing as we think about this relationship between doctrine and how we disciple others. Amen. And one thing I think um, in our American evangelical context, when we talk about discipleship, I think a lot of times we view it as um, maybe mentoring. We might view it as a synonymous, like mentoring is just a synonym for discipleship. And so what is it? Well, it's just, 
get together and, and talk. Um, and that's good. That is part of it. Sharing life, knowing what is going on, praying for each other. That is really important. Um, but we need to crack open the Bible as well. And I was talking to a guy who's been discipling me and talking and when people have asked him, you know, can you disciple? He's like, well, can you read? Um, <laughs> uh, and, he, and, and he's much kinder than that. But, you know, I think discipleship has to involve scripture. It has to involve doctrine. It has to involve these truths of God's word. And I would say it's important to include prayer as well um, as these things. This is what distinguishes it out. These are the ultimate truths and the promises of God that we're called to hold to. And that really are what root us and make and, and, and um, give us our footing in the world. So I, um, I think that the doctrine is an important thing, not only as in its value in of itself, but also as a, as a countermeasure to um, some of the ways maybe that discipleship is approached. Um, and honestly, it is as simple as reading a Psalm together, you know, uh, and, and not just saying, what does this mean to you? You can get there eventually, but what does this mean within the entire canon of scripture? What does this mean? And as a Christocentric reading, what does this mean in light of the resurrection? Amen. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, you know, the reality, the difference between mentoring and discipleship, right? When you go, when you go to be mentored, you're asking somebody about their subjective experience and, and what you can learn from it. Um, when you're in a discipleship relationship, you know, the point that to learn, the thing to be discipled in is, is scripture, is the, is the doctrines of scripture. Um, yes, the, the person doing the discipleship, their experience and how they've lived out these truths in their own life is important. But the point is, you've got to grasp these things for yourself too, um, because your life is going to look a lot different than this person's likely. Um, and so you need to be equipped and ready um, uh, uh, as you go forward. And I think that that's really the difference that I see, but I think you're, you're exactly right. The, we, we've got to be rooted. We've got to be cracking over the Bible, open the Bible. We've got to be praying. We've, we've got to, to hold on to these things. Yeah. Amen. Well, we'll, we'll land the plane here. I know Robert, you got some things to get back to. So um, let you go, but guys, thanks so much for listening guys and gals. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, glad to be with you. Uh, check out our website, ministry You can follow Robert on Twitter at RD Hassler. You can follow me at Stockdale. Will be sure to like, and subscribe, uh, leave us a review. We'd love that. And we will be back with you next week. <laughs>